uh, there was a son that had been estranged from the family for 10 years. And because of this situation with his mother, he had come to the, visit, uh, to the hospital to visit and his mother was sitting up and was able to talk and they got things right. And to me, that just warmed my heart because I thought this family has actually a second chance at having a relationship. Like it's not going to end so that that son never ever got to speak to his mum or they never had a, a significant conversation that was able to repair the damage that had been done. And so the family just described it like really what that conversation had done to the family. It had brought such healing. There was such peace now in the family and they really felt that now their mum could go, uh, you know, to the next life. Uh, they weren't really specific about what they thought about what happened afterwards. But it, she was actually going there in a peaceful state. And uh, so, yeah, I walked out of the room thinking, oh, my goodness, that, that is just such an amazing, wonderful story because you don't hear of somebody that's been estranged from a family actually getting the opportunity at the deathbed to make um, a significant um, difference. Anyway, I went to um, speak to the nurse and I just said, look, the family in... Uh, room one, they're sort of wondering if they could have some more information about end of life and just... Uh, anyway, I could see the team leader was studying my face and she's like, who said that she was dying? And I said, oh, well, the family. The family are in there. Uh, they're sitting around there. Wait, she's dying, isn't she? And the team leader said, she's not dying. She's sick. She's not dying. We've got, like, discharge planning. She's going home. <laughs> anyway, in a couple of days, I saw her walking down the corridor on her walker and uh, she went home. But what I want to just pull out of that story is that that family got a second chance at being reconciled. And it was because somebody decided that they needed to say something and my understanding is, as I spoke with the family, that the forgiveness went always. Like, people owned what they needed to. There were lots of tears, and it was a real reconciliation. I think that that is such a beautiful end to a story that not everybody gets. You know, life is short. People are precious. And as words are the major way that we communicate, they can either bring healing or destruction. In James 3, starting from verse 2, and it's the Passion Translation, I just want to read this. We all fail in many ways, but especially with our words. Yet if we were able to bridle the words we say, we are powerful enough to control ourselves in every way. And that means our character is mature and fully developed. Horses have bits and bridles in their mouth so that they can control and guide their large body. And the same with mighty ships. Though they are massive and driven by fierce winds, yet they are steered by a tiny rudder at the direction of the person at the helm. And so the tongue is just a small part of the body, yet it carries great power. Just think of how a small flame can set a huge forest ablaze. And the tongue is a fire. 
It can be compared to the sum total of wickedness and is the most dangerous part of our human body. It corrupts the entire body and is a hellish flame. It releases a fire that can burn throughout the course of human existence. For every wild animal on earth, including birds, creeping reptiles and creatures of the sea and the land, they have all been overpowered and tamed by humans. But the tongue is not able to be tamed. It's a fickle, unrestrained evil that spews out words full of toxic poison. We use our tongue to praise God our Father and then turn around and curse the person who was made in his very image. Out of the same mouth we pour out words of praise one minute and curse us the next. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Living in Australia, or as Dorothea McKellar, the poet, wrote, a land, a sunburnt country, a land of sweeping plains, we have seen our land ravaged by bushfires. We've seen lives taken, homes lost, lives shattered, animals and vegetation destroyed. What was once healthy has now been devastated by a spark, completely destroyed because of a small match, a fire. And all too often it comes out that that fire was deliberately lit by a person. And I don't know about you, but that evokes a response of anger and a call for justice when a person has done that intentionally. And yet our words can have the same devastating effect upon other people's lives. We can tear down, we can destroy. One spark, one conversation can do a whole lot of damage. And yet there's no call for justice for when possibly that information that was given or that was spoken was even found to be untrue. Our tongues have great power. Our tongues. Do you know, I don't want this to be sort of a heavy message for Mother's Day, but on Mother's Day, it just brings my mind just back to how important relationships are, how important people are within our world, our family, how we speak to our children, how we speak to our friends. Our communication either opens the door to healthy relationships or it slams it shut so that we become isolated and alone simply because of the words that we have chosen. And my prayer for this day is that we as Christians would want to change the way we speak in order to have relationships that are significant, that are healthy, that are long and lasting. And when it is our time to lie in a bed with our family around us, that they will be there and there will be peace in that room. I've visited many people who are in hospital and there's fighting over the person that is dying. Many of the fights are about finances. Some fights are about words that were said and... Uh, and I have come across too many times, really, where one set of family is sitting in a visitor's room while the other 
people are in visiting mum or dad or a family member and they change because they simply cannot be in the same room together. I just think that is so sad. And if we can do something now while everyone's happily breathing, it will make it so much easier at the end of our lives. Would you agree? And we have the power to do something now because we can actually change the way that we speak. The words that we speak come out of our heart, the things that we have meditated on. And what we meditate on then comes out of our mouth. And so if we are meditating on being angry or the injustices of life or bad experiences, and I might say that all of us have had those. Nobody escapes those situations in life, all of us. But we have to decide whether or not that is where our pool of words and conversations and feelings are going to come from or whether or not we are going to meditate and choose to speak out of a well that is healthy and so those words come out of our mouths rather than criticism, judgments, belittling people, sarcastically mocking them. One thing I have noticed, um, I was going to say as a pastor, because I've heard lots of stories, lots of people's experiences, but I think it's just actually in life, and I think that you will agree with me that, that this is a true statement. Things are not always as they seem. Things, there's always a piece of the story that you don't know that I don't know. There's always something that is missing. And if you knew that piece of the story, then it would just shine the light on that situation and it would bring a completely different um, situation to light. But it would also evoke different feelings within you because suddenly you would have just a little bit more understanding. There's always something more to every story that you hear, something. I was reading of a, a family that got on a bus. It was a father and three small children. And they got on the bus. The father sat down the front and he had the children with him. And uh, uh, after a while, the children got really restless, so they're moving around the bus. They're making noise. They're... Um, they're starting to annoy some of the other passengers that are on the bus and um, there's a lot of movement apparently by the other passengers like they're being irritated by these three children and the man down the front, the father, what on earth is he doing? Now, just pause. How many times have you seen that? In the grocery store, why doesn't that mother look after those kids? Yeah, you've seen it in the, the schoolyard or in the car parks or wherever you have been. It's, it's been like that is bad behaviour and it shouldn't be tolerated and that mother is a bad mother because she is allowing that to happen. Anyway, so that's just in parentheses. We'll go back to the story. And so this is what's happening on the bus. And anyway, one lady bravely says, excuse me, 
Can you pull your children into line? They are disturbing the whole bus. And the father turns around. His face is tear-stained. And he said, I am so sorry. So we've just come from the hospital. My wife has died. Their mother has died. And I'm sitting here thinking about what we're going to do when we get home. And um, I'm sorry, I forgot that the children would be upsetting other people. Do you know, with that little piece, little piece of information, that bus, the, the atmosphere changed. Suddenly people are offering to help. Suddenly, those children that were a nuisance, they're happily engaging in conversations with them. Those, that little family, their lives are never, ever going to be the same. Things are not as they seem. And yet, we want to... It, it, it just comes so naturally to us just to judge because we are going by what we see. But what we see, what we hear, what we feel is not always the true story. Proverbs 18 verse 13 and 17 says, He who answers before he hears the facts, it is folly and shame to him. The one, the first one to plead his case seems right until another comes and cross-examines you know, we can hear stories from people about all sorts of things that, that affect us and it's like we, we want to, we become offended with somebody else because of that snippet of information that we hear. Can I just tell you, just as a mum in the house, no one is as awesome as you think they are. Do you know that? No one is that great. And you know what? No one is as bad as you think they are. No one is that bad. If we can just see people in that light, we are all fragile, frail human beings. That's why we need our saviour. That's, that's why we need Jesus in our life to, to come and make us healthy and whole. And yet... With the limited information that we know or we understand or that we have heard, we want to make these wild judgments because somebody told us that information. I want to just come back to things are not always as they, they seem. There is a piece of a, of a story that you may not know. And as brothers and sisters in Christ, that must not be the way that we are. In Matthew 12, verse 33 to 35, it says, You must determine if a tree is good or rotten. You can recognise good trees by their delicious fruit, but if you find rotten fruit, you can be certain that the tree is rotten. The fruit defines the tree. How can your words be good and trustworthy if you are rotten within for what has been stored up in your hearts will be heard in the overflow of your words. 
When virtue is stored within, the hearts of good and upright people will produce good fruit. But when evil is hidden within, those who are evil will produce evil fruit. I'm going to make a big statement. Guns do not kill people. People pick guns up and kill people. Tongues do not kill people. Like your tongue, how on your tongue isn't even that long enough to be able to do damage to somebody else. It's the evil that's in our hearts that kill people. So what can we do? What, what can we do? We need to change our thoughts and the pool from which those thoughts and those words are coming from so that we can change the outcome. The Bible tells us how we should think. It says here in Philippians 4 verse 8, Finally, believers, whatever is true, whatever is honourable and worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good report, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think continually on these things. Centre your mind on them and implant them in your heart. So the Bible is telling us that if we think, if we meditate on these things, that it will be out of this pool that our words come. So as I look around the room this morning, I can see that you are all fully clothed. That's good because it's cold. But whatever you've chosen to wear today... It might be because it was the first thing you put your hand on. It might be something that I'm going to wear this because I look good in it. Uh, maybe for some it's the only thing I could fit into. Maybe for others it's the only thing that was clean. But whatever you chose to clothe your physical body and it came out of your wardrobe, I would like to suggest this morning that just as you choose the clothes that you're going to wear for your physical body, that you actually choose the words and you have a word robe. And that actually comes from that internal place within us. And if we speak about um, what should be our basic guide. Now, if you know anything about fashion, anything whatsoever, you need to have your basics. You need to have like your uh, basic pants and a shirt or your skirt or, um, you know, usually black shoes or something like that. But you have your basic all-purpose clothes and then you add your accessories or you add your colour to it and out of your basics, you can actually have a, a much larger wardrobe of clothing because you just add to that. What I would like to suggest is that we have our all-purpose basic wardrobe coming from what we meditate on in Philippians 4 verse 8. And so if we use that as our basic guide, if we speak truth, okay, so that is going to be in my closet, my internal closet, I'm going to speak truth. And, you know, speaking truth 
it's sort of like, well, yeah, I'm a truth speaker. I'm a truth teller. It's like, but it's not necessarily that you're speaking the truth, but it's how you, the accent that you put on the truth that you were telling. Because that actually can evoke a lot of angst simply by you being abrupt. Maybe the words you're saying are, are just incredibly direct. It's not saying that they're not truthful, but, but the accent of them isn't with love. So we need to speak the truth, but we need to speak it in a way that builds people up rather than tears them down. So the truth with love. Also in Philippians 4, it's the basic all-purpose word in your wardrobe should be what is right. So truth, but what is right. And right being that it's non-judgmental, that it's speaking up for those that can't speak for themselves. Where there is gossip or criticism or belittling, whatever might happen, that you speak what is right. So it becomes an all-purpose word or words within the wardrobe of your life. Speaking what is pure, that's uncontaminated by assumptions or embellishing the facts. It's simply what is pure. Believing the best. Words that are love-filled, that are lovely and peace-promoting. Also, words that give a good report, that encourage each other. Verbalising the good qualities about other people, but doing it with integrity and doing it so that it actually means something and it isn't just complimentary so that your agenda might be moved along. Do you know, if we clothed ourselves just in kindness in kind words alone. In our physical wardrobe, I don't know about you, but I need a spring clean from time to time. Because not all the clothes that I once wore are appropriate today. And the, what I mean by that is, uh, and some of you will have no idea about this, but have you ever heard the term mutton dressed up as lamb? <laughs> and that's like, clothes that you had that looked amazing on you when you were young but now that you're a bit older are just you know possibly even a bit offensive um, but you need to clean those out of your wardrobe I think we need to have a spring clean on the words that we use that are not that are not full of love and truth and peace, and kindness. And the way that we do that, you see, we physically do that in our wardrobe, and we put them in a bag, and we bring them along to the She Recycle Boutique at the end of the year. But how do we do that with the words that are already stored up in that wardrobe of our internal life? We have to starve them. We have to starve them, and when they come up on our tongues, and it's like we're just about to say something, we need to swallow them or spit them out if you're in somewhere that's appropriate. You know, if, you, if, if sort of like that real thing sort of helps you, uh, just make sure that it's an appropriate place. But it, it's something where you need to stop using them. And it's a discipline. 
I wish I could say that my wardrobe is actually something that is just always right and always great. But, you know, I slip into old ways of, of speaking that actually when it comes out of my mind, in my mouth, like I feel embarrassed or I feel ashamed of myself because I have continued to allow those words to stay in my wardrobe. You know, when I look at my physical wardrobe, um, there are clothes that I still have there that, I don't know, they have some meaning or I like them but I'm not going to wear them. And they need to be removed because they're actually just taking space. I'm never... I'm not going to wear them. I don't want to wear them. I guess that's the underlying part of this. And it's like with our words that we choose, we need to choose the words that we are going to wear that's going to be our basic, um, our basic vocabulary so that we bring love and truth and we have healthy relationships do you know, there was a lady, this is my last hospital story for the morning, I was called to emergency and a lady who was probably just a little bit older than me was there. She was in emergency and her family were there. They were so distressed and I wondered, often when I see that I think there must have been just a fresh diagnosis of something. But uh, no, these People were so noisy, there was loud crying, there was... It, it was distressing just to walk through, let alone to be another patient, I guess, in emergency at the time. And anyway, so I just got a bit of a, some information before I walked over to the family, but this lady had taken a whole lot of pills. She felt a certain way that... Um, she couldn't recover from and she had done such damage to her body that she literally only had hours to live. Now she was sitting up in bed, her family came in, she thought that her family uh, weren't interested in her, she thought that she had done the unpardonable you know, sin that wouldn't ever be forgiven she had it in her mind that I might as well take my life rather than live lonely and isolated for the rest of whatever life she was going to have. It was so sad because after a while, well, she didn't have that long, as I said, she had hours, but after a while I, I could hear them laughing. I could hear them speaking. I could, I could see that they were hugging each other. Whatever had happened was able to be repaired through communication. That lady, she died that night, that afternoon, I think. And uh, she made a decision to end her life based on a situation that she thought she would never be forgiven for. And yet the words, the love, brought healing to her heart but it didn't bring healing physically to her. Our words carry such power. If we choose our words, 
You know, sometimes those words need to be, I am sorry. Actually, it, that word needs to be used a whole lot more, I think, than what is used. Like, really? I'm sorry. Other words like, I appreciate what you have done. Thank you. Today's Mother's Day. Why don't you start or why don't you continue today as you maybe have phone calls or maybe you meet up with people, but you actually verbalise the things that you are feeling that are, that are words that bring love and health and sustenance to your family relationships. Do you know, as I sit around or as I speak with people that are at end of life, generally the people that are around that bed are family. Treat your family kindly. Speak out the words of love. And if there aren't words of love there, ask God to help you. Ask God to change your heart. Ask God to give you that piece of the puzzle of this story that you don't understand. Ask him to give you the grace, the grace that he so freely bestowed upon us so that we may be able to come into his family. That's what Jesus did for us. And it was at a time that we least deserved it because we were so full of sin. Can I encourage you today to think about what you're saying and to choose your words wisely? And not only the words that you say, but the way you say it. Would you like to just turn to the screen just for a moment? Let's just pray. Lord, thank you for your presence here today. And Lord, I, I pray that there's not a heaviness around what has been shared. But Lord, I pray that it would just be a kind challenge to look within at the way that we are communicating and the way that we are living our lives so that we do it better. 
so that, Lord, that through our love, through kindness, through pure speaking, through giving encouragement, Lord, that our families would be affected. Lord, that they would want to know who you are. And Lord, that it would be some, something that would invite them into your presence and into knowing who you are. Lord, I pray for each person that's here today. Lord, we all need help with our wardrobe. None of us has it all together. And I thank you that you gave us the Holy Spirit that is able to gently convict us when we are using words that are not helpful. So, Lord, I thank you. Thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for leading us into that place of growth and maturity and into that place of becoming more like you. Thank you for that in Jesus' name.